This essay was originally written on January 11, 2017, and was originally called Learning to Fly. It is number 13 of 20 in a series of essays called Diagnosed Mortal. It's a beautiful day. I woke this morning and rolled over to see the full moon in Cancer, casting a wash of silver light over the land the sleepy burg of Bellingham twinkling below. Oh, nine days to lift off, I thought. The moon is pulling across the map of tides. Yesterday was really tumultuous. There was a big windstorm. The sky was bright and clear. I found myself in the afternoon curled up on the couch with Ursula, watching the trees dance outside and remembering with no small twinge of melancholy when I was gifted hearing the trees talk to the wind and the earth, quivering as if breathing. It is one of those experiences in life that once you have it, there is no going back from the sensation of it. One is changed seeing and hearing that. I was changed seeing and hearing that. I cannot hear it or see it any more. I've only the memory of the sensation and no valuable point of reference of what it felt like to be me before that. That experience was so far beyond words that to try to put it into a language is to plunge into deep despair. It dwarfed language so. It was an exchange in another language beyond a human one. It was just that one day, when I was in my twenties, and now it's a memory. I watched the trees dance yesterday, and I knew they were conferring with the wind in their special exchange because of this memory. We are so far from being the center of this world. So much of living life is like passing the most important person or event in your life, but you miss it because you're distracted. You, you just fucking miss it. And the universe spins on. We are sometimes sad like that. Yesterday I had started a post for today, and I wanted to get all the information about green burial and death doulas and shroud options. And I compiled a bunch of things for that, blah, blah, blah. I mean... It is a subject that I enjoy sharing information about. But do I want to spend the 11th day of my countdown living with death doing that? No, not really. Google it. Find some links. Inquire. Ask questions that you do not already know the answer for. Be in wonderment of all the different ways to live and die. This is not an easy statement for me to make because... Just about everyone I know and love is tied into a cycle of self-help and identity-defining practices. There is a seduction in identity and self-help rampant in this culture, and it makes it impossible for many people to get beyond themselves, to have ritual. They can have a narrative of habit of never being enough with self-help. I have been guilty of this but I could never really surrender entirely knowing what I do. 
I learned a lot of valuable coping skills, all of which I needed to eventually outgrow and leave off because my experience with the wind and the trees. Knowing the wind and the trees ruined me for being able to reinforce myself in this life to build a strong identity and actually make something of myself. I would have to solidly be the center of all I did. I could never do it. I'm happy about that now. I wasn't initially. I know quite a bit about self-help, and I know I'm enough, and I'm perfect within each moment in this dimensional experience. What I want to talk about is ritual and how it is important to understand that it is conversation directed beyond ourselves in a language we must own that we do not understand. It involves a trust that requires we leave ourselves behind to participate. You cannot experience trees talking to the wind and know you are experiencing trees talking to the wind. You have to give yourself over to the knowledge that you are not the center of everything. It is all happening right now as I write this and as you hear it. But here we are in exile from our own planet still, unable to encompass all it is at once as it exists outside of our time-centered consciousness. The other thing about ritual and allowing that vulnerability to have experiences beyond our paradigm is that you have to want it and maybe even be at some critical junction to need it. Even people that want it, it's been my observation, don't recognize it when they get it. Perhaps they want it for themselves. It takes some sincere idiocy, if you're young, or courage, if you're older, to leave your precious identity behind and hazard yourself to the complete unknown. I'm not talking suicide here, because there is an expectation to die in that. Handing oneself over in understanding that you are not the center of everything is a powerful act of trust. You have to really believe you are not everything that you perceive you are. Most won't even go there, nor do they see it as important. Well, at this juncture, I don't want to hear one more fucking complaint about how scary it is to be in this violent world. We build every moment of it by reinforcing our identity within it and imagining it by direct action or being passively compliant to it. We are the center of it all, making it happen in perpetuum. Might I suggest a portal? I am compelled to inquire. So the default belief we are all embroiled in for millennia of humans being made in the image of God as the ultimate center of experience on earth. How is that going for us so far? Rituals done sincerely and in sync with the earth's natural cycles and the celestial arc allow more love to be present 
and empowers not only humans but what is naturally powerful in the world so we as humans can know what to do next in relationship to our world. I wonder about my funeral. I don't suppose my family is going to have spent a lot of time thinking about rituals or what to do at my graveside or at my memorial. I specified my advance directive regarding the memorial, and since that is a party, I know one of my sons reigns supreme in this department and would be in charge, and it will be special and memorable. For the burial details, I suggest they get valuable support from a sacred passing in Seattle, Washington. They have done burials at White Eagle before, and they know what it's about. Whatever my family does, I hope it includes something irreverent. My life has been a lively mess. There should be plenty there to rant and rave about. They can expect to be carrying my body enshrouded in a transport with handles to the gravesite. They might all be in sturdy shoes and sit around my grave in a happy reverie. Actually, this is not something I can imagine my kids doing graveside, but what do I know? Party on. I would like my granddaughters to be present, to have them shovel some dirt on Nana. They have small shovels for the little ones there. If I've been laid out for viewing, they should be aware that I'm not in the body anymore at that point. It is obvious to see when a person is no longer in their body when they are dead. If we handled our dead, we would know that. Children not being allowed to see that can become scared about death, as it becomes some kind of mystery, and they think that the loved one is now trapped somehow. There should be flowers to drop in and on top of the grave to make a pretty memory for them. Some wine or spirit, a toast poured atop my place there. I then imagine a slow walk from my grave to a warm little meeting place where the trek started at a Coney Ranch. Then on they will go, with me newly with them as an ancestor. My body, well spent to finally be able to surrender and be reunited with the greater conversation with the earth, the wind, and the trees there. Thank you for listening. This audio file is an addendum to a blog post called It's a Beautiful Day at all the different ways.com.